Hill. I'm here with my brother, Blake, a.k.a. Sister Mary Hot Takes. And we came into the studio remotely from across the country to discuss how we have not seen each other in a very long time. And we plan to have seen each other last year. However, comma, COVID happened. So we decided to do an episode talking about that and some other things. We're going to do a little time jumping. We're going to do a little reality bending. Uh, and as usual, when we got in the studio, things started with a how are you? So here we go. I'm, I'm, I'm doing... I'm doing okay. I'm doing some type of way. I'm doing, I'm like very blessed mm-hmm. and very, mm-hmm. I'm very challenged. Mm-hmm. I can relate. I'm rising to the occasion, kind of above, beyond the occasion, actually, if I don't say so my goddamn self. Nice. Um, Toot your own horn. Toot that I, I certainly will because it's social distancing and I've been respecting the pandemic this whole damn time. Right. And so I have to toot my own horn. There's nobody close by to do it for me. Well, wait a minute. I actually want to toot your horn real quick. Go ahead. Go ahead. I just listened to the mix you did on the Earth is Ghetto. And oh, my God, I'm in love. Ooh, that's so great. On the last episode? Yes. On Cancel Culture Club Presents Nikki Aaliyah's Earth is Ghetto. Yeah. It's like there's timely songs and then there's timely songs. And then you went and like punctuated it perfectly and like put just the perfect, like, ah, I'm in love. That's oh, so thanks. good. It's so yeah. good. Thank you. Yeah, I got to work with two cover versions, and Nikki Aaliyah uh, allowed me to use her version. Mm-hmm. And so I just made a little mashup, added some, sp- I like doing soundscapes and spacey kind of. Yeah environmental noises that make you make you kind of see shit in your head while the music is playing Mm -hmm. different things for different people but sometimes i nail stuff and get a congruent image going in different people Mm -hmm. um but yeah this was uh this was a different kind of project it was such an honor and a blessing to work with that content and come out with i thought i was listening to it i was just in my whole editing for like days and days and days and i was thinking i gotta be listening to this like the most times out of <laughs> so many times and then i got out of my hole and i realized oh no there's like a lot of remixes going on just things popped out but they weren't out when i went into the hole they came out oh, right so yeah it was cool watching her go from six thousand followers to like fifty thousand followers isn't that awesome isn't Some, that so fucking awesome when you get amazing when like who deserves it to blow up like oh i love nothing more than watching a proper glow up happen to yes. someone that deserves it yes. yes yeah yeah uh yeah and then when i saw it when i saw her when i saw her instagram count going up i was like my first thought was a concern just because of the nature of how my life has gone and the things that i have right. witnessed where i was like right. somebody go protect her at all costs what is going on and then i went right. and i found her twitter and saw the way that she tweets and the kind of shit that she says and i was like oh she's fine never mind she's like, she's perfectly fine. not that i really doubted that much i was just like you know how sharky predator types can be when they're like let me go circle around yes let me yeah. see how i can exploit this I think I could eat that. Could I eat that my way? Let me have it my mm-hmm. way. I'm used to McDonald's and shit, whatever. Yeah. And that's, you know, okay, on that note, we got a lot of people acting like they're going to have shit their way. 
in the weirdest ways. And like the reason why specifically we've come in here today is we're going to talk about us not having our ways and how that is inherently us actually having our ways and what that complication actually means. Right. I'm just nodding right, right now. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. So you've been holding a hug for me for a year. I have been holding a hug for you for a year. It'll be more than more than, but you were actually about to give it. I was about to say the hug's been coming for quite a while because I've been gone from the West Coast for like almost a decade now, Mm. Um, which is mind blowing to me. um, Same fast life moves, but yet slow. The way I always describe that is that days are slow, but the weeks are fast. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, last year, uh, around this time I had, uh, I'll just to tell the real way I almost got out there. Um, I had two friends that passed away from, um, fentanyl laced pressed Xanax, um, on Valentine's day. And they'd been together for 10 years. They were, Two of the best people you could ever hope to meet. Rays of sunshine. They were both amazing friends. Um, And like many people right now, because it's a fucking talk about a pandemic, um, the deadly fentanyl slash opioid pandemic is going strong in this country still. And um, they were two victims of it. And I was finally, my friend was like, Blake, we need your hugs. And she was going to actually fly me out there. And um, I was so excited. And then this was, you have to remember, okay, so they passed on Valentine's Day. And then I was going to fly out on St. Patrick's Day. And by St. Patrick's Day, as we all know, that's when COVID like officially duh, was it so reminds me of Reagan. That's when they finally acknowledged COVID. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, technically, technically, from what I've from what I've assessed, it was a reasonable time for the states and the the places that really weren't paying attention until it was too late. Like I had somebody, I had a, a, a loved one in um, uh, Rio de Janeiro Ooh. and they were taken out by it before anything happened Yeah, over there. Yeah. Uh, there were similar issues that happened other places. Like it just took them so fast and they were dealing with uh, a few, a few different issues. Gavin, Gavin Newsom's little, not that I, I'm not tooting his horn. Yeah. I'm creating an exemption in my, in my literal, like, you know, what's the antithesis of a horn toot for life? Um, uh, taking but, the horn and bending it over your name. Sh- whatever. He's a spokesperson. Whoever's decision it was for California to shut down. It was a multi, it was multiple counties and he was just the dude that fucking, 
you know, whatever. Yeah. Cause that's the way that works. Yeah. So this is why I got a whole problem with people that are like Fauci, Fauci, at least we get to see more Fauci. I've seen a bunch of tweets that are basically like that. And I'm just like, can y'all stop literally telling on yourselves and letting me know you've not been checking your local public health shit and you've not been checking the international scientists. You've not actually been doing anything really. If you're waiting on Fauci to celebrity stand about that shit. Well, at least some summer others. Honestly, all I can say is I see exactly where you're coming from. Oh, you don't have to agree with me just because well, we're not there. Because I do, but I was going to say is I also get it's sad actually, and it just proves that people have been like whittled down and beleaguered enough through all of this that a scientist from the government comes out and says something he's supposed to, and people are like, "Oh, thank God." Well, he doesn't even have all the information synthesized in real time. And he, he's one spokesperson and he's very busy exactly. dealing with being a spokesperson on top of keeping up with. I'm not saying he isn't a scientist. No. I'm not saying he isn't worth having somewhere in some kind of role somehow. But also, like you were saying, I got gotcha. you. So Larry Kramer and ACTA had to put so much pressure on Fauci that finally got him to quit sitting on his hands and start releasing more drugs for AIDS. This is back when, again, Reagan wouldn't even acknowledge that AIDS was a thing for years. So much credit goes to Larry Kramer's anger and Vito Russo's, his way with words and his Let's not go into Vito Russo. Let's stick with Larry. Um, well, you know how my memory condition works and how, you know, tell me who these people are and why I should care about them. Again, probably because I'm sure I heard of them before. Okay. So let's introduce Vito first. Vito is who I go to whenever I need to recharge my why am I an angry queer crystal. He has a speech that he gives about, I believe it's somewhere between a month and three months before he passes. Even, I think, pretty sure it's closer to a month. And the speech he delivers, where he talks about how he's not dying of AIDS, he's dying of ignorance and mm. Anita Bryant and Ronald Reagan and all these things that are like he's dying of ignorance and hatred. Not, I mean, like AIDS could be handled, it's the ignorance and hatred. He also, Vito Russo, you may know from The Celluloid Closet. Uh, he is the one that wrote that book and did so much of that research. He would hold screenings of old movies for his friends and his crowd and teach them about that Judy Barbara side of gay life. Um, he was one of those queens. And he just had a way with words and he could use his anger like a paintbrush. Which brings me to Larry Kramer, who could use his anger like one of those rolling paint things where it's like, oh, damn, you just hit a wall in five minutes. Mm. Um, mm. Larry Kramer's anger is something to be marveled at and thanked because his anger did more to spark people into being a part of the AIDS crisis movement. The, uh, he started ACT UP and he was very influential in the founding of the gay men's health crisis in New York, which was one of the ground zeros for the 
AIDS crisis, he was right there. And people got angry at him because Larry was saying, we can't have sex right now. Like, we have to quit fucking. And this was coming out of the 70s and that liberation and how many people had fought to be comfortable, open and happy with their sexuality. And at that point, as still is in a lot of situations, let's just be real. Mm. A lot of people saw promiscuity as a uh, character trait, Uh as a big part of their self-identification, that they were able to go out and have fun and do this. And here's Larry Kramer going, look, people are getting sick. We got to quit fucking. And I mean, let's just point out right quick, though, that's not that's not even exclusive to the gay community. That's a, that's a, that's a, you know, there's party scene. And so in the party scene like that, there's overlap, but I feel like there's a, there's a narrative issue in the understanding of how AIDS saturated the entire gay community because of party scene behavior. Yes. Because right. This was the time not not to shame, not to shame party scene behavior. But I I am an introvert. And so I love vicariously experiencing great stories. But uh, (laughs) you know what I mean? Right. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. Didn't mean to interrupt. You didn't interrupt. Except that I totally did. Go ahead, though. Um, Larry understood that he had written this book called Faggots, which was very polarizing in the community because it talked about that promiscuous meat rack kind of nightlife. He was actually critiquing the gay community at the time. And in a lot of ways, it strangely turned out to be what people have called prophetic. I haven't read it, so I can't say that. But he was a voice of that time. And then once the AIDS crisis happened, he became angry. And then people started to become attracted to his anger. They understood his anger. Finally, someone was saying these things that needed to be said, especially when it came to the anger at public figures, like the mayor of New York at the time, Ed Koch, who was much like Reagan, silent on all of this. And this was a mayor in a city where he has citizens dropping like flies. And I can't imagine living at a time like that where especially when they didn't know what was going on. There wasn't, it wasn't even called AIDS yet. They had no, it was gay cancer. And it was one day you were okay. And the next you just mysteriously died of pneumonia. Um, It's heartbreaking to think about. And it's something that we should honestly never forget because that changed medicine in our country. And so Larry Kramer, Anthony Fauci was like his arch nemesis. Now, by the end of this, he called him Tony and they had a a respect for each other, a like Magneto Xavier respect where it's like, we're on different sides of this, but we kind of want the same thing. Wow. Supposedly. Um, Wow. Well said. I understood that. That was in millennial. Right. <laughs> that was in millennial and Gen X. And I think boomers, right? They had X-Men as comics. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. We just spoke to the whole scene there with that one. Right. Y'all got it. 
Right. Um, Fauci's not your hero. That's like, he's just this guy, is my point. Like, he's just a fucking he guy. Is, he is. He's just a guy. And people make mistakes. People are imperfect. People need to be, for instance, with the Larry Kramer and the ACT UP stuff, they got to a point where they knew more about medicines than the FDA did. And they were trying to tell the FDA, look, you need to fucking release these drugs to the people. They, they work. We're getting them from illegal sources and they're helping people. And you guys are sitting on your fucking hands and people are dying. Mm. Meanwhile, Reagan's all like AIDS, what? But then Rock Hudson died and he was suddenly all like, AIDS is a bad thing. I get very heated and upset about that time, especially I was born in 82. And so my memory of the AIDS crisis is very, it was horrifying. It was like the way I picture it is like the way that the previous generation, like the boomers were afraid of Russians. That's the way AIDS felt to me as a gay kid. It was one of those like, they're going to get us. You better uh, <laughs> fucking cover. <laughs> mm. um, but no, um, <laughs> it was very much like um, just be prepared that you're going to get AIDS and die. It's what happens. And then you had all the Ryan White stuff where it's like, again, that's what made Reagan get to moving. It wasn't that oh, all these gay people were dying. It was that the, it was in the, like, straight people were getting it too. Um, because, surprise, uh, intravenous drug users can be any sexuality and any type of person. Um, AIDS doesn't care what you do or what your, your preferences are. Um, but until it began to affect a certain portion of the quote unquote straight population, people saw it as a plague that the gays had brought on themselves. Um, they saw it as a moral failing. Which especially with hindsight, if that doesn't piss you off, I don't know what the fuck does. So now Fauci comes out and Fauci is the hero of science. He was the champion of the AIDS crisis and he's going to guide us through COVID. Don't worry. Fauci's here. And the more you're describing this, actually, let's go back, because the more you're describing this guy's history, the more he plays perfectly on the kayfabe cast mm -hmm. with the Trump with the Trump. I agree with that. Yeah, with the, yeah, like the Trump show. Like he's a perfect. I mean, the whole thing isn't the Trump show. You got to stop. Have everybody, you talked to kayfabe? Have you talked about kayfabe to the audience? We've talked about kayfabe in previous episodes. Episode one, we get into kayfabe. But like, why don't you break it down? Go ahead. Well. To me, what I have understood kayfabe to mean is it's best described in the world that it was created in, like the world, you know, where the word came from, which is the wrestling world. Mm -hmm. And it's where you have 
these souped up matches between these two people and they have this whole drama. There can be everything from wife stealing to cheating and hitting with chairs and um, dirty moves and all kinds of madness, this huge, big, brutal fight. Both in and out of the ring. Oh, all over the ring. In and out. Before they get in their posturing, right. before they are, um, it's a 24-7, they are always on, they're always Macho Man Randy Savage. Yeah, brother, I hate that Jake the Snake. But then what you don't know is that whenever you're not seeing them, they're like, okay, listen, I love the way you did that last thing, but if you could hit me more like on the left shoulder, I really know how to like settle that punch. Um, and they're talking about like, hey man, once again, I'm sorry that I had to like steal your wife or whatever, but you know, it's the way it goes. Anyway, how is Emily and the kids? Mm-hmm. Um it's that whole thing of where they're putting on a 24-7 show for you. It's almost, I'd say, in the modern world, like in a millennial relevance thing. Picture the Kardashians. The Kardashians put on their reality show for you, and it's their reality. And yet, really, the reality they're showing you is a scripted, edited, broken down, planned out, contoured experience. And what you never see backstage where... Kanye is like, Kim, about your whole look, we're making you go Blade Runner now. Um, I mean, now you're doing fanfic. Possibly. But that's the thing that happens with kayfabe. That's well, the thing I'm that happens with kayfabe. It opens the door for... It blurs the lines between reality and the show. And if you can't see how that plays into politics, folks, I don't know what to tell you. Let's look at, um, what's a good election that is very kayfabe. Um, Oh, wait, wait, wait. I got one. I got one. The one that turned every black lives matter related hashtag into a direct funnel for Harris propaganda to pump into the vaginas of everyone who lives in Olympia, Washington and beyond. Mm Mm-hmm. Is that, is that the one? Mm-hmm. You mean the one that made sure that Donald Trump looked like the figurehead of the crazy thing? Right. And then there was something about like black women becoming like a really important part of political narrative. And instead of picking like a black woman who has any type of black experience, they pick like a neo-Nazi cop who happens to have black enough skin to change I mean it's not difficult to look at the past the internet's been thoroughly scrubbed but old articles do exist talking about her claiming to be Indian American all the time up until the presidential election so if I missed something uh, it's going to be difficult to convince me what with all the misinformation that the K-Hive insisted upon spinning through the fucking internet and yeah, that's a whole other thing, though. That's a whole other thing. It is. Yeah, it's got really nothing to do with uh, why you've been holding on to a hug for me for a year. And that's the way we converse. 
Um, but so about that hug. About it. Um, you were about to be on your way out here, and I, I was, I was the most high alert of anyone were, I knew. You were. You immediately went into before, I'm not with this mode. Yeah, before, before yeah. the the lockdown. Yeah. Before Gavin Newsom said a damn thing to anybody, just a, just a touch before, not long before, but like two weeks before lockdown, I was already locked down. And so when the lockdown happened, I was like, oh, great. That's a good idea. Everybody do this. I'm already doing it. That sounds great. Mm-hmm. And then you were still planning to come out here. And I was like, that's not a wise plan. That's not I a good idea. I held a hope that I could somehow make it work all the way up until the day before I left. We do like to try to do it all, you and I. And I, I, and I was one of those things where I had my two sides of my brain working, where one side was like, I'm going to make this happen. And the other side was like, okay, but realistically, you know that this is never, this is like not what you should do right now. And finally, when I realized that like, okay, so picture it. You go to California and everything shuts down and you're stuck there. And what's so funny is that that used to be my dream. If you asked me at fucking 32 even what I wanted, it was like, please get me back to California and make it where I'm stuck there so my family can't be upset that I'm stuck there. But now my life has changed so much that I was like, I can't risk getting stuck exactly where I want to go. Isn't it funny how life works? Um, um, but I now have a nephew and a partner and a life here. And even though it's in the fucking center of a red state, this is where I'm having, this is where I'm doing my thing. Apparently this is where I'm supposed to be. And, uh, I will be here until I'm not, but about the pandemic here. I remember listening to you talk about how people were reacting and it was sad because you would tell me your stories of people not complying And I won't even lie. I was like, wow, I wish people were complying half as close to that much here. Because here it was still a hoax. Right. And it was a everything. Because I, ooh, ooh, ooh. When I say I'm in the heart of Trump country, I mean, it is, it's Trumpy as fuck. So I have seen that side of things more than the uh, blue wave side of things. I'm telling you, man, they're not any less scary. Like, cause I, after, okay. After it Harris, like the after, same thing to me in different shoes. Well, I'm going to tell you, this is when it really got weird for me. Cause it, it didn't, I thought I was being a little facetious about, no, they're like, just as crazy, you know, just as it's all the things, blah, blah, blah. And so then like when Harris popped back on the scene, I was like, I'm getting a MAGA hat. I'm going to fucking do it. And I started talking. I remember, about I was right? worried about you. I, I was serious. But that I didn't do it because I actually realized, well, I'm I already have problems when I go out, like people get too close to me. They don't respect my humanity on a regular day. The pandemic didn't change a thing about that. Uh, You know, it it, it did and it didn't it like but the few people that were just never going to get it or were always going or were always going to prey upon me. Yep. Uh, they just they just really came through very loudly, and yep. I my the frequency of extraordinarily negative encounters that I had when I went out was just like escalating throughout. You had the some rough ones. I remember the story. You had some fucking rough ones. 
Yeah, that guy that was going to beat the shit out of me because his girlfriend kept running up close to me with no mask on and her drippy ass fucking sick mm-hmm. face asking mm-hmm. asking the pharmacist that I'm already talking to for information that is, you know whatever just people people don't have respect for personal space uh, some of the time and so yeah no it was uh not when they think their personal space is more important I mean I don't even know what that means <laughs> it means that they don't give a fuck they'll run up into you in your personal space and even though they don't think about how like if you're okay, so say they are invading your bubble and sure they've now like, Oh, well, look at you. But what if you're sick and you just got like you said, I'm saying it's one of those. No, there's no, thought she, to the, she, she didn't care. To, no, I'll tell this. So I go down to the, I go down to the little local store that has a pharmacy in it and I go in and I got to go talk to the pharmacist. And so I get in line and then I'm talking to the pharmacist and the pharmacist is talking to me. She was in mid sentence and she look over my shoulder and I could tell she's looking at something that's right up behind me, you know, and I like I turn around and there's this woman I like she could have just barely tilted her head forward and kissed me right on my cheek. She was so fucking close to me. I felt like somebody had a gun to my head. Like it like it like sent like a shock of like panic through me that she was so close because I'm like, Sounds like what a vampire is about to bite. It was it was too much. Like I don't I'm not into fucking strange ass vibes. Like I don't want to be creeped right. the fuck up on. <laughs> I don't want to creep the fuck up on on a good day. Like Amen. Uh, when it's not a pandemic, please stay more than six feet away from me. If I don't know you. And even if I do know you make sure yeah, that I know you and you don't just know me. That's, you know, I don't know. So <laughs> uh, I, I think I actually was friendlier than this before the pandemic. I don't know. Maybe somebody else remembers and can come on the show and talk about that bitch. Who, who was that? <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! Uh, yeah, so I, a joke of like, no, no, you were always like this, but it's true. You, babe, I mean, the pandemic has done some things. This, this bitch was always in here somewhere. So I said, I just did the hands up, shaky face. Like, what do you want me to say? Yep, that's the one. Uh, so I, I didn't even have to say anything to her because the pharmacist was like excuse me, can you move back? She steps back, she apologizes and does her weird little white woman, I'm so sorry, I didn't know kind of apology. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't realize. Come on now, come on uh-huh. now. This was, this was into the shelter in place. This was not, this was like, I don't know, mid, late April or something. April was a rough month it's for me. One of those you know, are you kidding, bitch? You've got selfish on your face. Own it, it's selfish, it's on your face. It's right there, I see it. It was a lot. So... I get my business done over there and then I'm in the middle of my transaction. He'd rung up my thing and we're about to, we're about to exchange money. I'm supposed to be right in front of the register. That's the only place in the store. As a matter of fact, I'm supposed to be. And all of a sudden out of my blind side, this bitch comes speed walking up to me almost at like a run. Like it's too fast to be moving in the store. And she comes up closer to me than it would have been uncomfortable if I had come to the store with a friend, not during a pandemic. And they'd come up on me that fast after we'd separated kind of shit. It was too much, too much, Susan, whatever the fuck. Yeah, that's this time I said some shit. Cause she actually startled me like a, like a wasp flying into my face or something. <laughs> Oh shit, I didn't mean that I was gonna pick like a bee or a mosquito and wasp just came the fuck out. Well, you know? They are what they are. They are what they are. And sometimes it's not up to me. Sometimes it's like, you know, 
ancestors just have their hand on my shoulder and they're whispering in my ear and it just takes over like and one word in a sentence. Like fucking wasps. <laughs> yeah, just one word in a sentence. So be, they'll just help me pick the, the right one when there's like five, five I can pick. Anyway, so I say something to her this time and I was not nice about it. I don't remember what the fuck I said. Mm-hmm. And get can you get the fuck away from me? Like what, what the hell? And so she skitters back and she's even more upset this time. She's so sorry. And she's, she's like, why would someone speak to me this way this time with her apology? It's not really an, I'm sorry. It's a, uh-huh. it's a plea to recognize her as the victim. Please. Oh, right. right. Exactly. Yes. So Tell then better tonight. So then her fucking tweaker at both of them, both of them looked like they were about to go back and get high. Like they probably should have done that before they showed up. Maybe they would have been more paranoid and do themselves. Well, so he comes up and she says some whispery shit to him. And he all of a sudden is like, Hey buddy, if you want somebody to get away from you, you move away from them. And I'm just like, oh no, this was like the peak of bullshit for me. This was like the moment that I was like, I'm no longer the person that I was when the pandemic began. He decided that he was going to follow my, um, wait, let me get the order of this right. It's some bullshit. Uh, he was going to beat my pussy ass bitch ass faggot something do you i wish i could I remember, remember i remember the words bitch i remember that faggot, pussy and ass were all somewhere woven into this statement yes. that involved him following me out to my van and so i say to the guy at the register i said look if he follow me outside will you please call police and this guy at the register was just like yeah (laughs) (laughs) so jesus he was doing that thing too he was like pacing back and forth and like like stepping up on either side of the girlfriend like she's holding him back you know but she she was not she was not holding him back and in fact the look on her face quite said if she were going to directly interact with him it would be to egg him on but he was doing his own pacing and not looking at her now, uh, that was the last time I went out for a while. Can we just stop for a moment and talk about that thing right there that you're describing? That especially what I have seen cishet men do to intimidate people. Mm-hmm. That like, ooh, I'm a time bomb. I'm going to pace back and forth and make you scared of when I pop. Right. And um, it's used in many situations. It's used in uh, it's many abusive situations and the, the setting and type of abuse varies, but it's used there from domestic stuff to um, these kinds of uh, social blunder stuff where you're like, really, what are you doing right now, Bill? Um, it's a thing. It is a thing that is used to intimidate and remind who they see as quote unquote inferior people into their place. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And it really pisses me off. It also usually leads me to say, to say the sentence, imagine how embarrassed you're going to be when you tell all your friends that a faggot whooped your ass. Um, <clears throat> I mean, to be real, the only real issue is that it was a pandemic and I was not in a position where I could risk getting COVID. And I realized, yeah. I realized all he had to do was spit on me from a yeah. distance. He didn't yeah. even have to lay his hands on me. Like all he had to do was decide that he wanted to invade my space with his body. And he could do that effectively. Like spitting on a motherfucker is not great in any instance. That's a fucking offensive bullshit thing to do. It's just one of those things I am never... That's not one of my diversified tactics. It is not one of mine either. Uh, my diversified tactics tend to not involve projectiles. I like to say shit that will ring in your ears for years to come. I want you to not be able to sleep because I said some shit. Yeah, that's that's, I'm, I'm real busy using my energy on things that are going to have longevity. And like the way yeah. I look at it is sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will ring in your motherfucking ears forever. Nobody's ever going to convince me that you and I didn't play a part in the Oakland Police Department, like changing after Occupy. They had, we had a lot of talks with a lot of. They, wait, let me be clear about what I said. The police yeah. department itself didn't change. The personnel had a lot of turnover the next right. year. Right. And that's that's all I'm going to say about that. People left the jobs for different reasons. And that's and true. All I would say that's about true. it is we had a lot of. Cops would be stationed there to watch us at certain times. And, of course, me being me, I see that as a chance to uh, let somebody know why we're here and what we feel. And, hey, if you really think about it, you're one of us. We're not fighting. The way, one of the things I used to say to the police officers, we're not fighting for your pensions. We're fighting for your pensions. Right. Like, right, right, right. That, well, okay, like... So there's like, there's multiple types of outreach that you and I seem to synchronize about in a few ways over. That's a whole other episode. We're not going to go into that shit. Yeah. And in fact, we're going to stop becoming like, you know, uh, nostalgic and occupy fucking immersed to a degree that we sound fucking cop apologetic. Um, I just want to remind everybody that it is a frustrating situation for me right now to be looking at the world and seeing every single BLM hashtag, every single BLM hashtag as a direct funnel of Harris propaganda. I cannot state enough times how much of a fucking problem that is. Well, I also see that as the eternal struggle because the police are... God forgive me for saying this, not your friends, but they're one of the diversity of tactics that I would employ, especially at Occupy, was talking to everyone. And that included police officers that were nearby. And what my goal would be, would be to awake, remind the human in them about the human and us and what we're doing. Um, trying to show them that they were a cog in a wheel of oppression and that this, to, to me personally, that's not the way you effectively police things, the way they were mainly doing with us, the way they would antagonize and uh, 
instigate. But this might be something for another episode. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Yep, because we are going to wrap it up. Is there anything more about the pandemic that you need me to say? Okay. I mean, I just, it's such a frustrating thing to have people Fauci standing on Twitter and then I'll pop in and be like, stop Fauci standing. You look like an ass and in whatever words I choose. And then they start acting like uh, the go-to is everybody should be worried about Fauci during a pandemic. Why aren't you worried about science during a pandemic? And I'm literally like, you are showing me the science of how you have not been paying attention to enough science. If you are worried. The scientist, like there's a one scientist in the nation and it's Fauci and dear God, look at him go and do interviews at the same time. I mean, all it means to me is that people are paying too much attention to Trump as the kayfabe player because then they're looking at Fauci as the hero. He's the good guy. Trump's the bad guy. And then like, I feel like there's probably an exact pro wrestling dynamic that could be called upon, like something that happened in the past where there's like, and obviously just like, you know, the bad guy, because that's how wrestling works, pro wrestling works for people who do not know there's a good guy and a bad guy. How life works. We love to recycle storylines. I don't, that's not how life works. I'm not, I reject that. Well, I mean, it's true ahead. itself, but yes. I reject that as well. Go ahead, though, if you must. You go um, for it. We're not, we're not looping. We're spiraling and we're not repeating ourselves and things are not the same shit different day. And they are not, we're not in the position that led to Trump. We are post Trump and we are at a whole new hell. And it's maddening to me. I agree with you fully on the, we are post Trump and we are now in a, um, God help us with what comes next situation. There is a black femme cop representing what the fuck is it? And I actually have somebody that's coming around trying to push back on what I'm talking about with the BLM hashtags being completely saturated. But I have, I've had to stop following him. I've had to stop following him because I'm never sure when related to, yeah, it's Harris's life matters basically like at least 30% at the time that I checked out, like it had gotten to a point where I was just like, I can't, see her how hard my eyes roll i cover my phone with my hand i'll be scrolling and the uh, her face will pop up and i'll have to cover my phone Uh and then sometimes i'll go to read around the shit but i cover my phone scroll the fuck away from the shit or scroll to wherever i can be like make this not come in my feed anymore with this individual and they're fewer and further between but i have somebody right now that's coming to me trying to question like so wait are you saying that black lives matter is destroyed because kamala harris gets to have whatever in the hashtag too it pollutes things because it's a message it's a movement it's not you know but it's an organization the organization the npo is what partnered with harris yeah The the phrase didn't no one that was following that shit did. It was just the NPO, just the board. And they dragged everybody into this shit. So I guess that's not a concern. I guess, oh, you saying it's destroyed? Never mind. No, it's fine. It's all fine. Right? It's fine. I mean, it's fine. That's when people don't understand what co-opting means, where they have taken on... Uh, they've like amoebaed in and now 
it's tainted with their, well, in this case, her, with her slant, her, it's her agenda that's being, it's weaving and not in a like, weaving's not the right word. It's, um, it's co-opted. So it's being diluted and the core message can be changed, honestly. Yeah. That's well, that happened with Occupy and we were talking about that. Let's, let's end on this little fucking thing. Cause we were talking about this the other day, uh, at the beginning part of Occupy, the very, very beginning, what Occupy was established as and what we were drawn to, cause it was like a functional camp for a long time, like weeks and weeks and weeks. And so we get down there, I got down there late in the game And I still had about two weeks before, like I wasn't living there yet, but I was coming around for about two weeks before the raid. Mm -hmm. And so when the raid happened, I basically moved down there and some Occupy Marin people became very attached to Occupy Oakland Mm -hmm. of their own accord, but also because we were, and Mm -hmm. they were driving, they were driving us, they were checking in on us. Mm -hmm. Um, And so a, a few people came. There's a local like television broadcast, media broadcast org in Marin, and they uh, had some members that were very invested in documenting what was happening at Occupy Marin and at Occupy Oakland and Occupy SF's encampments. Yes, and we had we had footage of. Uh, we had footage of primarily riot porn, but there were other things that that were documented. I just feel like it's like the issue is is that when when the riot porn bait began, mm-hmm. lots lots more cameras came out. Yes. Like lots more cameras came out. Yes. Um, there was this one video that was made during that time that I know for sure captured the joy and unity that was the early part of the port shut down and then how it turned into the people from Olympia throwing a fucking fit in our house. Which was literally the moment that things went from being Occupy is great to what the fuck we hate Occupy. Like the whole world on um, the area around they started more and more. The businesses and all were starting to question. We started losing public support. We had we had to take off if we had bandanas or like gas masks or pins or whatever. If we looked like we were with Occupy before going into businesses, we suddenly had to strip them off. Whereas before that, wearing our Occupy looking stuff, they'd give us free shit. Or not even free coffee. Like some places it was free coffee and some places it was like, hey, we're getting rid of all this stuff. Take this back to the camp. Yeah, exactly. So here's the math behind that. Because we came in and they knew we were with Occupy and they supported Occupy, they just voluntarily gave us large bulk donations because they knew we were going back to a place that was going to use them, right? We were a symbol. It was like a uniform where we walked in and we were agents of this base place. And so all of these businesses in the area that appreciated what we were doing gave us like endless free shit. We almost always had something awesome in there. And then we give you the most magical thing of all access to a clean bathroom. That was a fucking thing, too. That was a fucking thing, too. And there's other times we're going to get into other stories about other things. But there's a video and I think I can send it to you. Word. I'll put it in the description. It shows 
it shows this. I mean, it it doesn't show what Occupy really was, though, because it wasn't the port march. It wasn't it the moment of time and the life of Occupy that night. It captured that night very well. It's not there's some footage that's in things that I've seen that shows what it was like on a regular day. Like a calm, chill day, which was smiling and doing art and taking people to the like little library we were making or washing dishes or yeah, normal shit. It was few and far between after the first raid because people had PTSD and specifically the people who were already on the street and needed help and were there because of that like got all fucked up during the first raid because it was it was ugly they came in the middle of the yeah. night and we're not gonna get into yeah. it right now so i'm not gonna let you even start talking because you were there and i was not i was I'm not, not there. I'm biting my tongue so hard you have no idea you do not fall into the whirlpool you let me guide us through this we're gonna walk right over the water we're okay. not saying nothing okay. i'm just letting you go so, yeah the bottom line is though it was a totally different place before the first raid and then after the first raid but before the port march and then the general strike well there was the general strike and then there was the port march general strike. Cause yeah. didn't we take the port during the first general strike, but not on a plan or did that not happen? I don't remember. Um, the first port shut down. So after we had got raided that first time, okay. We then had that big outpouring, um, March the next day. Mm-hmm. And then we realized as a collective unit of people, that we had a lot of support here and we needed to do something positive with it. And so we coordinated with the longshoremen who supported us at that point and they allowed us, it was okay if we shut down the port for reasons. The next time we shut down the port, it was not a plan and they were not happy. And when the longshoremen don't like you, things get rough fast. If anybody remembers it any differently, I'm inclined yeah, to hear it. Right. That's just our experience. There may be other sides that I'm not speaking to. I'm inclined to hear about it. Holler at us. I would love to. I love any more dimension that can be given to a story. Come with receipts if you've got something completely, like, you know, counter. Yeah. <laughs> I got yeah. some stories of where people lied. I mean, I I do not have time for winging a tree that's going to be spinning the bolts off for no reason. Amen. Hey, let's end on a joke. Okay. Why has California not snapped off and fallen into the sea? I don't know why. Because San Francisco has all the wing nuts to hold it down. Ha! I have a little joke for you. Oh, gosh. How many Southern Baptists does it take to change a light bulb? Uh oh, how many? Change! (laughs) Uh, shit. All right, we nailed it. I love you. (laughs) I love you. (laughs) Talk to you next time. We'd like to thank our patrons on Patreon and everyone who's bought our merchandise on TeePublic. Find the links to all that stuff and our social links on goodmorningmayberry.com. We've got closed captioned episodes on YouTube. Subscribe, listen, and rate us on all the podcast spots. If you're wondering who we are, we is me and my demons. And you can join the Legion by following our Tumblr, Twitter, or Instagram, jumping on the Patreon, or just buying one of our shirts and wearing that around, drinking the tears of whoever you like the least uh, out of one of our mugs. 
and uh, coming back and checking out the next episode. I'm Shift. And always remember to never forget. I don't, that's not how life works. I'm not, I reject that.